0: welcome to The Great Rift episode 6. Um, I'm David. I'm Jamie. Hi guys. So today we're going to be covering quite a new book. We're going to be covering um, Priests of Mars by Graham McNeill, which, um, yeah, pretty different from a top-level point of view in my opinion. What about you?
1: Yeah, definitely very different to, uh, I mean, to a lot of other books we've been, we've been going on about. It. First of all, it doesn't focus on Space Marines, which is which is cool, um, and it's also I guess it's less I don't know, I guess less battle focused and fighty focused, more I don't know. It's like a epic traveling yarn, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit of an
0: epic tale, like a Greek. I think you said like a Greek, a Greek story. Yeah, kind of like, it, it, was, it reminded me of like the Odyssey, or maybe that's too grand. But like Jason and the Argonauts. Um Yeah, I mean definitely Yeah. It has
1: that feel about, you know, going on a voyage and it was more about I guess the journey and what happens on the journey rather than the final destination.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um it's it's sweeping and I definitely think there are people out there that don't like it because it's not Bolter porn. Um
1: uh, yeah, I, I mean if you you know, sometimes you just want to read a book where space marines punch Xenos scum in the face and that can be a very satisfying book. But this yeah, yeah this is this is different to that. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of levels on this book about yeah. different different people, different I guess, races and all mixing together.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um I guess before we get into the meat and bones of it, shall we um do our traditional hobby chat if you wanna start on that? What have you been up to?
1: Um well, I posted earlier. I, I guess keeping on the book side, I posted earlier on in the month that after Warhammer World, I bought um, First Heretic. So I've pretty much finished that now, and yeah, that's a and a pretty epic book. We, yeah. I know we've been discussing it over um, WhatsApp, and it's yeah, it's been enlightening, especially about you know taking a different view. i never really is, is enlightening the, it, the right well. word
0: there. Enlightening is a really <laughs> yeah, strong choice of words.
1: I have been enlightened by the word of Lorda. Yeah, it's I never really thought about him that much as a Primarch. He always gets a bit I don't know in some books he's a bit dismissed as sort of the weak Primarch. Yeah. know, he's not physically a beast who could like just wade into battle. I mean, he is a Primarch still, but he's not viewed like that. He's you know even even compared to Magnus, he's sort of more the thinking Primarch. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's his power is his faith which is a bizarre thing to bestow upon a son of a, a demigod of a, of a god essentially who doesn't who wants a secular society like he's clearly bred with that in mind which i find really strange but um yeah it's uh it's, it's up there as one of the best in my opinion um first heretic in terms of doing that thing adb does really well of Picking something that you think you have perceptions of and just turning it round. Um, yeah. And making you question shit. I think the big takeaway for me, though, from First Heretic is... Do you remember who the narrator is? The narrator are demons and chaos. And he says it in a lot of books. They can't be trusted, ever. You're just getting one angle <coughs> of that yeah. story. Um, and I, I, the, the, there's a large portion of the community that would always see everything that's written as absolute gospel um you know like that scientific breakdown of knowing everything and I, th- I can't remember which author it was at the black library weekend and we talked about it last time who just said no writer ever wants to do that and they never really ever want to tell the truth as well because the truth is just how you, one person perceives it um and that's how i see that book especially um it's one person's perception of the galaxy and the gods, essentially, they You know, I, I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, I think it's really well. It's really. I mean, I always have a slight issue with the way it's um, shown in the first three books about how Horus falls to chaos. I never really get. From it. I don't know, it feels a bit rushed. It always feels a bit like he was just always wanting to do it anyway, and he just you know got a little nudge from Erebus in the, in the back, and he just sort of did it. Whereas this book, you can definitely see the steps that Lorgor falls to, and how he actually starts to believe this. How he gets sh- fucking shamed by the Ultramarines, which that whole scene is so good. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, and it, it's yeah, the steps to him falling to chaos is I felt really well developed. That you can totally believe why he would do, it. and actually, kind of in places, you feel a bit sorry for him. But
2: and, yeah, and yeah, tower yeah. as well. Yeah, he
1: definitely. But we won't go into too much, but that's what I've been doing book wise. Good book. Everyone knows a good book. Yeah. If you haven't read it, go and read it. Yeah, I Um hobby wise, I've done the. Um, I've finished the Armager, Warglave mm-hmm. Armager, Armager Warglave. Um, that's cool to paint. Really nice. Something a bit yeah. bigger. Yeah,
0: lovely care. Yeah,
1: played? it comes out I- really cool. I liked. I know the other ones the autocannon canon ones are probably a bit better on the tabletop but I just like like the look of something wielding a chain sword.
0: Absolutely. And like a melter Uh we're not we're not um power gamers anyway. Like fuck optimized lists. Life isn't optimized. Yeah. Um so I don't think you've put that on the WhatsApp uh, on the WhatsApp on the Instagram page you should. Um maybe we'll do a nice little overview of some of the stuff you've done on there. That'd be really cool. Um, Maybe,
1: or, yeah. I put, it on the, I put it on a War Council one, but, yeah, I, I need to take better photos of it. I always just take it photos of, like, all the crap on my desk at the background, so probably yeah. I need to actually do something better with that. But yeah,
0: actually, that's a good shout. Yeah, if, um, I'm a
1: happy about it.
0: Yeah, if, if anyone's not following it yet, um, go follow our... I guess it's our parent page. Um, it's where we all sort of got together gaming over the last five years four years maybe um but Brighton War Council all one word um on Instagram um lots of Jamie stuff's on there already actually and it's quality so so nice um I said it to you today actually and um going on a tangent here but uh the bases man you take your time they look so good like I I always rush that bit a little bit I'm not um a prolific painter I sort of paint for utility like to get it done um but yeah, the bases on your models just. like you put yourself nuts. down, Dave.
1: Yeah. Come out Well, I
0: like
1: your, I like I definitely like your Iron Warriors
0: and stuff. They're really cool. Yeah, uh, they're all rush jobs though, in a way. Not rush jobs. That's the wrong way of looking at it. I find an efficient. Uh, that, that's the Iron Warrior in me, in me, isn't it? I find the most efficient way of getting them done in the tabletop ready and a little bit more. But I'm not like you, man. Like I know you haven't channed out mass amounts of points, but you've got a sizable force there now and it all looks like GW quality to me. Like, you could go and put it in there, up in their cabinets with their models and it wouldn't look out of place, whereas mine would look, like, pretty sketch. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Make me blush. You're welcome. Um,
1: I think, yeah, doing bases, I always find it really, the fun, like, I kind of find that part quite, probably the most
0: fun. Yeah, yeah. I quite like to do dioramas at one point, but, and that's like, you have to get all, I mean, that's quite
1: an investment to start doing that stuff. You need quite, you know, to get quite a lot of, uh, Tools and like kit, like bits and scenery and things like that. So that was always the Didn't stuff that
0: investment. fascinated me when I was a kid reading White Dwarfs. You know, because we were probably too young to go to a lot of the big Games Day stuff. Like the first one I went to was 2000 and something. But you know, when you knew you were getting White Dwarf in like 97, 98, 99, and they'd have to the, yeah. get the Games Day Demon uh, Golden Demon stuff, and it'd be those you know proper dioramas. I remember seeing one of like a knight killing a dragon on top of like a big craggly rock and he was shoving a a a lance through its mouth and out the top of its head but that thing must have been like four foot high and I just remember looking at those things thinking that is the absolute tits." but I couldn't do that all day (laughs) like I just get so bored I can't sit there and paint for that long but um, (laughs) you definitely should do it man because you've got the temperament for it so do it Make it happen. Oh,
1: maybe one day. So,
0: um, yeah,
1: we've been doing that. And uh, as I posted today as well, I started on call, which looks like it possibly could kill me. He is a busy model.
0: Yeah, a very busy model. Is it gonna make or break you?
1: <laughs> I think it might. There's so many like legs. The man's got like eight arms, all holding keys, computer screens, axes and there's, it's just insane There's it's like I
0: don't know 20 feet on it or something it's ridiculous yeah it's funny it's funny you mention him because I'm reading um, sorry not reading I'm actually listening on Audible to um, oh fuck what's it called uh, the Guy Haley um, book that not everyone seems to like weirdly which I really like um, let me just have a quick look uh, Wolfsbane Wolfsbane that's the one the word went right in my head um, and Cole famously is in that Uh, but at the time of the heresy um, obviously being 10,000 fucking years ago he's a really low ranking Majos type as in one below him is just a generic Mechanicum guy he's only he's like a a, you know a line manager essentially Um, yeah that's odd though because
1: some of his history as well is that he personally helped the Emperor develop some of the Space Marine biology
0: yeah i i mean it, that might be the case as in the way they positioned him he's just kind of doing his own thing he, he he's quite an interesting character in that he, he 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 studies with one arm of the mechanic because they have got loads you know like yeah. biologists and electrical and all those like different avenues and he spends as much time as he can with them to learn everything he needs and then he just feigns a reason to leave and goes and joins another one <laughs> Where that's really frowned upon because they're so uh, systematic about how they do everything. It's like you should commit to one and stay there forever. Where he's purposely diversifying himself so he can learn as much as possible. So maybe, maybe he did. Like I've, I don't know. I'll find out when I get to the end. But as it stands at the moment, he's been pretty fucking amazing. But he, he's got just like a really shit day job. Like he's just on like some gas planet where they're just harvesting stuff for the Imperium. He's really not doing much. It's quite interesting. I'm keen to see yeah, where it he
1: goes. To, he's definitely an interesting character. I mean, even now in the modern thing, you always a bit unsure if he's actually good or bad. I mean, Gilliman doesn't trust him like one bit, yeah. but he just sort of knows he needs him. So, yeah, he's... i would be interested to see what happens with him in the future.
0: Yeah, I, well, I think he, he, they, they, tap, they tap into that in uh, Wolfsbane. It, it does sort of paint him in this he's roguish and they don't trust him uh, the mechanic and everyone looks at him funny like you're saying heretical stuff like that is well out of line so I think maybe he's just he's just a cut from a different cloth um, yeah yeah um,
1: so that's it, sort of hobby wise I mean I haven't played any games as per usual but uh, yeah just finishing I'm almost there to be fair with my 2000 points of ADMEC. mech I've yeah, got a list amazing. I'm just going to make it and um, i I got some. I got some more stuff from Blood Bowl.
0: I got like picked up this really old original dwarf cheerleader metal figure, oh, which yeah. I'm gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cute. What about you? What have I been doing? Um, so annoyingly, um, I've been as people might have actually seen on our Instagram with that very well received picture of me hiding behind a book fort. Um, been posing. Yeah. It's almost most liked picture, I think. Maybe. I don't know, or maybe actually, a bit uh, of the uh,
1: I mean, the other one is the one that, that has nothing to do with us, really. It was the model of the uh, Arbyte.
0: Yeah, that Arbyte picture has got six hundred and eighty-seven likes. Which yeah, is absolutely bonkers. I don't know how it got so many, considering we've only got nearly three or two hundred and fifty odd followers. So that's pretty mental. Um, yeah, but that's
1: good. I, I went up like loads last month. So thank you to everyone. I think we put a bit more effort in actually getting people to follow us and I know the last episode we did on Warhammer World and Eisenhorn definitely brought in a lot of new people yeah. so yeah thank you to all our new listeners Yeah. because yeah Hello. it literally doubled
0: yeah it's incredible like it's it's a really good feeling to, to feel momentum behind this um, you know I genuinely look forward to picking up the book we're going to read and um, yeah diving into what we're doing and, and, and recording it's just fun it's really fun it's nice to be doing something creative that's what you want to do it's really nice um but anyway off on a tangent um so yeah i've moved house so i've moved from crystal palace to kennington so i'm right in the middle of london now um personal reasons really just sick of commuting by train even though crystal palace wasn't that far away from london bridge it was still a good hour door to door um when you finish work late it's just not conductive to a healthy work life balance um, now I live nice and close to work more time for me to do hobby things and I only moved in last weekend before last um, and I've I finished painting my death for Age of Sigma um, but I've got to get Manfred uh, the lovely massive model um, and a couple more units to get to a thousand points and the plan is is myself Dan Carruthers shout out Dan james shout out james and hopefully scott um who we spoke about before hi scott shout out scott um we're going to do a four-way 1000 point day of age of sigma because we're all new to it so it's a nice little um milestone for the end of august to just sort of get us in gear because we're all desperate to play it but it's that getting stuff done having that deadline is really motivational for me um And other than that, I've been reading loads. Because everything's been packed away, Um, I purposely kept out loads of books. Um, So in the last three weeks, I've read Slaves to Darkness, um, Korax, and The Master of Mankind. Um, And now I'm reading Hammerhole, the freebie book we got from that library. Have you read that yet?
1: No, it's... it's on my, definitely on my shelf, I wanted to do it, because as you, as you guys have been playing more of Sigma, and after getting to Warhammer World, I, and obviously we should probably talk about the new box set coming out, Sigma version 2, Holy War shit. of Souls, Solar Wars, it's definitely piqued my interest big time.
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, uh, I, I, I've i been reading loads, um, not to go into into too much detail, but I had already listened to Master of Mankind and Korax, but... I just have to have them as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want the physical copies. I want them in my hands. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I, I find it really hard to read book, le- electronic books. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just can't do it very well.
0: No, no, I like the feeling of the pages. I know it sounds really weird, but it's just a physical thing for me. Like, it's proper relaxation. It's nice to disconnect from anything digital when that's all you're doing all day is being on digital stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Yeah, one thing I will say, um, Slaves to Darkness is fucking incredible. It's like a landmark book. Um, Really sets the tone for the next stage of the heresy. Um, The final stage. It really is, this is it, off we go. Let's go Siege Terror. Um, Korax was actually really interesting. Um, I didn't realise when I bought it. It's actually um, a a collection of all of the Raven Guard Korax stories. They all came out as short stories, but there's also some original, new stuff in it as well. But when you read it, you don't. I didn't read it really as a bunch of short stories. It did feel like a a, a sort of choppy novel that just sort of went from A to Z, but over a long period of time, it was really cool. And that wrapped up the Raven God story in the Heresy, like they're done now. Like that's it. They're not going to be in it anymore, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah,
1: I mean. Reading um, first heretic with that bit with Korax. I again, I'm not really a, a legion or I really thought about that much.
0: But
1: Korax yeah. is pretty badass, mate. So they're incredible.
0: they there. so I've been I'm I'm an iron for ages because I've got that second half of the Dark Imperium um, box set. Uh, so I've got all those um, Primaris Marines unmade, and I'm pretty certain I'm going to go Raven Guard. Um, I was a bit scared about painting all that black, but actually. Uh, there's there's some really good ways that um, Duncan and, uh, oh, what's his name, the uh, other Games Workshop painter that does the videos. Can't well, remember. that's
1: uh, left-handed but still films the same way, which it yeah. really throws me
0: off. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> uh,
1: I can't remember his name. No,
0: yeah. um, But uh, they've put some really good, efficient, quick and easy ways to paint black without it being too lazy looking. Um, so I think I'm going to test some out on some spare marines I've got lying around but I'm pretty certain I'm going to dive into Raven Guard because this, the books is, every time I read a Raven Guard one I connect with it quite heavily um, they, they're they one of the few legions that passionately cares about what humanity thinks of it in terms of their same as Salamanders, Salamanders are quite similar they try their damned hardest to reduce collateral damage where they can doesn't mean it doesn't happen and it doesn't mean they don't do ruthless things if that's what's needed, but they're, they're, you know, their motto is always about protecting weaker people from stronger enemies, and I just think that's a great fucking thing, trait for a space marine to have.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: Um, and last bit of a tangent on hobby uh, Master of Mankind. So, yeah, listened to that before, read it again. It's such a funny book that people got really up in arms about because it didn't paint the Emperor in this perfect I'm a poster boy good guy light I think it's literally Aaron Domsky-Bell's best book it's so good and so insightful and I don't know what people were expecting like were they I, I, I get this feeling that some people think the Emperor's just this like literally Superman who's just like you know perfectly nice to everyone and always really kind and always a proper proper good guy he runs a fucking huge dictatorship and he 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 can't be those things like he's he's not necessarily a nice guy. It Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He's just he's on a different plane of thinking. Um, oh,
1: Dave, lost you.
0: Uh, can you hear me? Uh, oh yeah, uh, can't lost you for a bit. Oh, oh, no worries. Um, yeah, the the emperor is just a fantastic character, and I think he's really complex. We're not meant to really understand him, and people, I know people have said that's a cop out for bad writing. I just think, mm, you're not meant to understand him, like. He is way beyond the of thinking. thinking, um, and it just seems like a pointless task to try and write a character to try and understand. Yeah, him.
1: I definitely think the emperor—he's um, like you know—he's multi-layered. He's like different things, but he's you know, he, he, I guess I don't know, I don't know. I have mixed views on what the emperor should be, and I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? So he's yeah. meant to be different things to different people. He's meant to. He is running a dictatorship, but there might be a good reason he's running that dictatorship that we just don't know as, as a reader. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, he's a complicated character, and obviously yeah. each time he's um, shown in a book, I guess, is a different as- aspect of that character. Yeah.
0: Isn't it? yeah, and there's this wonderful thing about it. You know, hindsight's a great thing, where people are like, oh, why didn't Horace do this? What, uh, sorry, why didn't the Emperor do this? Why didn't the Emperor do that? Why didn't this happen? Why? This book, Aaron writes this really lovely... <laughs> quite obvious metaphor but it's for one of the custodies um, and uh, he says to him, he's like "Oh, well, why didn't you use your foresight to foresee these things and he's like right, climb that cliff edge and the custody's like what is that, go on, climb that cliff edge so he starts climbing it and he's like you're looking for sure footing everywhere you go, you're placing your hand, you're testing that rock and then you're climbing and then as he keeps going One rock does this lodge, and he nearly falls. But he has to keep going. And then he says, now look to the horizon. You can see that city. You can see land on the other side. In between you right now is a massive ocean. Eventually, you're going to have to take that leap and get to that space. And that leap is a massive unknown. So that's what it's like to have foresight. You know what the end goal is. You know that you can place your foot and your hand where it needs to be, but it might fall at any given moment. You just have to keep going forward. That's the Emperor's foresight. He knows what the end will be, but he has to keep pushing for it no matter what. And I just think that, yeah. that sums it up perfectly for me. Yeah. He's an incredible being, but he doesn't have a fucking clue what could change. Someone might decide to turn left down a corridor instead of right, and that could change the absolute outcome of the heresy, like that butterfly effect thing. So he has, yeah, to, focus, definitely. He has to focus on the end goal, which is getting humanity into the webway. And destroying chaos through having no humans left, um, and that's his that's his main goal. Um, to him, the Horus's rebellion is nonsense. It means nothing to him. It's just not important. I think that's really really telling and really interesting.
1: Yeah, because I mean, from what you know, you can perceive, he could just. I mean, and then he does. You get to the point at the end where he's like, "Oh shit, I have to deal with this." But at the other point, he's like. I could just go and end this now, but you know what? What I'm doing is far too important for me to just uh,
0: exactly. step away. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's such a good. I d- I just don't get what people were expecting from the from that book. Like, where I I just get this feeling that some people thought they were going to get a uh, three four hundred page book of the emperor just killing demons for two hundred chapters. Do you know what I mean? It's that's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is uh, the I, way. So go on.
1: Yeah I going I'm I'm definitely camp but I'm not that interested in having an emperor model on the tabletop it, it just doesn't interest me in having that aspect of him
0: yeah so it's definitely going to happen it's going to happen I think it's going to happen yeah I think, I think but, um there there's rules for some of the custodes when it co- and it, it talks about so and so can do this if the emperor is on the board um so he's coming um if people are still playing Seventh edition, edition heresy. When when that happens,
1: yeah. I just personally, I'm just not that interested. I'm just he's just like the sort of old. Be, he's just like the I don't know. He's just a sort of guffin sometimes. Of like he's just the reason people are doing stuff. But
0: yeah, yeah,
1: the, doing stuff. Others is more, is more int- the actual doing stuff is more interesting than the reason why sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's that looking behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz kind yeah. of kills the magic. um Cool, that's that's it for me from Hobby. Loads of reading, which is a lovely thing. But I'm definitely keen to get... I guess it's the weather as well. I don't really want to be lugging carry cases around at the moment. No. Especially in London, it's disgusting. Uh, It's so hot. Um, But yeah, that's it really. Uh, I finally got a semi-gaming... Not gaming room, but hobby room. It's not really a hobby room, it's a spare room. But a space I can paint now. (laughs) In the last you downrated time,
1: was... it several times yeah, no, I had, to, I had
0: to check myself it's not a hobby room, it's not a gaming room it's a um, spare bedroom which is amazing um, but it's got a desk in it so I can paint at a desk now which I haven't done for t- two years maybe three which is terrible for your posture um, so yeah, quite a nice feeling um, so that's it for me for hobby really um, I guess we should go into the book
1: yeah, let's get into pretty
0: smart because you know I'm I'm building up some energy because I really like this book and we need to talk about it. Yeah, go for it. So, so yeah. I guess i just give listeners a bit of background. Our plan is to where we've traditionally kind of chopped and changed, haven't we? Where we've gone right, this part we're going to talk about the characters, and the next part the plot. I think our plan is to kind of simultaneously do them. Would you say? To yeah, sort of I talk think because their each... motives
1: this book is mainly focused on characters and obviously they, there is a story and there's a, you know, a middle, beginning, a beginning, middle, end of a journey. But I think the more interesting part of this book is the characters and what how they develop and what we find out about the characters. And I think we should probably say that this book is the first of a trilogy and you definitely get the feel when you get to the end of this book that this is like a big setup for the next two books, which... Yeah. I mean has its downfalls but also has its positives in that he hasn't tried to cram everything into one book and gone right I've got a big story to tell I'm using this first book to set a really nice grand scheme of what's going on and then it progresses as we get to the second and third which I I like
0: yeah I I love it so I guess the big thing that jumps out jumped out at me having finished it was um like we said before this is uh Jason and the Argonauts this is a a traditional adventure story um, with a big theme that runs through it but you experience that theme through different layers of culture within the Mechanicum and outside of the Mechanicum we do have we've got a couple of Black Templars we've got some really very short scenes but interesting guard characters um, Imperial Guard Cadians yeah. um, that had a wealth of depth to them that just showed you like the depth of the guard but it's very rapid. They, you know, they're not in it for huge chunks, um, and uh, Legio as well. Like um, we've got some Titans, and you get an insight into how different Titans work, and the sort of Titan politics as well, which I thought was really interesting.
1: Yeah, um, very interesting. Yeah,
0: um, and uh, we get to see a bit about um, rogue traders as well, um, and how they operate and their sort of remit within the imperium and how much weight they have and stuff. So there's, there's tons of layers um and you get to see the imperium it's dirtiest and it's worst as well which I think is wonderful. And there's a lot of glam in this, right? There's there's really high ranking characters but we get to see the the sort of crushed dregs of humanity that help propel that universe forward. Um Yeah,
1: so we get yeah, we see from Lexiel Kotov who's the uh, Archmigus of this exploratory fleet so he is literally a guy who owns entire forge worlds to we go right back down to another character called Abraham Locke who has literally been press ganged and works in the dregs of the ship. I mean, There's a whole nautical theme obviously you know, spacefaring, seafaring very similar things. There's a whole like naval theme going on through this yeah. but you go from those two different vast different characters but they all have big impacts on this on this story really. yeah
0: yeah, absolutely and i will just jump in here and say that there's a lot of people that read graham and neil's work um will know that he loves cross-fertilizing characters across books so he builds like a it's almost like a marvel universe you know they they drop in and out of different stories um so he did his U- uriel Ventress books the for the ultramarines and there's an iron warrior character in that also has the uh, is the main character in the Iron Warriors trilogy. Within that trilogy, is a character called Julius Hawk, who's a guardsman, and he has one of the main plot lines in um, I want to say Storm of Iron, I think it is, um, and he's in this. Uh, we find you know we find out why he's in it, um, but it does lead on from that book. So once again, he's just tying us in really neatly um, into. The wider story, and I really like that. I know it's not for everyone's cup of tea, but um, Graham, yeah, it's like
1: an Easter egg sometimes, isn't yeah, it? A little bit.
0: Yeah, and I know some people will go, "Oh, Graham's done it again." I think, fuck it, Graham, it's your book. I think it works. Like, I, I like it. Yeah, it, it adds richness. It doesn't take anything away. So keep doing it. Um, so how about do you want to cover some of the Mechanicum characters? Um, just at a high yeah, level, and yeah. maybe give what their objective is.
1: Yeah. Okay. So obviously, this book does focus on the Admech, and I think at the beginning of this of the story, he has a little paragraph where he says, obviously, he wrote uh, *Mechanicus* for the Horus Heresy, uh, but he sort of felt he had more stories to tell about the Admech, maybe in the forty k setting, but doesn't just focus them on Mars and. Different aspects. I mean, to a lot of people, the Azmec are the sort of the good, bad guys. They're the meddling, evil meddling geniuses that delve too deep and unearth something that they shouldn't have. Like the mad I mean,
0: scientist kind of archetype.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, uh, dwarfs are portrayed like that in Lord of the Rings sometimes and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah.
2: He,
1: he, it's, he wants to move, he wanted to sort of move away. because so there is actually a sort of a, the whole point of the Azmec is to sort of push the boundaries and find technology you know go like go out there and just improve stuff i guess so he was sort of wanted to do that sort of exploratory field and to, to mechanic and you definitely get this aspect of them in this book is that they are very different to what actually a lot of mechanicus are portrayed as yeah so i, I enjoyed that there was this different aspect to them
0: yeah absolutely
1: so, as i said we go on
0: no i was just i was agreeing i just i was just completely agreeing with you it's um Depth. We get a lot of depth is all I was gonna say.
1: Yeah. So I think we start off with um, our main man of this fleet is Lexiel Kotov, who is the archmakers of the this is called the a Kotov Explorator Fleet. And basically we sort of I mean I wanna go as I said we're not gonna go through the story necessarily page by page and chapter by chapter, but his goal is that he is under a bit of pressure now because he has lost one of his Forge Worlds to a Tyranid attack. Um, he, as we find out, he found this ship called the, how do you say it, Sperenza?
0: I believe, was the one. Yeah, that's the one.
1: Sperenza, yeah. Um, he finds it actually buried in one of his Forge World planets. Um, and this is like an ancient, ancient uh, Mechanicus ship. And it's freaking huge. I mean, it's like... It's like a jewel in his in the Adnex crown at this point because they don't have ships like this anymore. You know, you talk about in Heresy, Horus Heresy, the ships are massive, and due to Gulliman's reforms and stuff, that they just don't make ships like that anymore. And this is this is sort of the a big daddy of all. I mean, it's got forges on it, hasn't it? It's got yeah. it can hold entire Titan legions on it. Yeah, so it's, it's, huge. it's huge. Yeah, and, and he
0: finds it buried in his. Planet just buried there, and it's not finished or something, isn't it? It's just sort of half built and it's just been covered in different layers of other forges on top of it. Yeah, yeah, um, it it had a ring of again just sort of nodding to his uh, uh, traditional hero journey stories. You know, um, they tend to find something of importance, don't they? Like a sword or an amulet or something that sets them on their journey. And this one's just a bit more of a literal metaphor. Do you know what I mean?
1: He finds a
0: ship, as opposed to, you know, like, I don't know, uh, Luke Skywalker getting that lightsaber. Do you know what I mean? It's it's something tangible that we can identify with, which I thought was a nice little... He could have just said he had a ship, but...
1: But there's a sort of dark edge to the ship. I mean, later on we find oh, it's hinted out that there's ships not all quite as it should be, mm-hmm. and it's hinted that maybe there's a reason why the ship was buried and not finished. I mean, I think it it doesn't really talk about it too much until the very end of this book. Maybe what we will talk about a bit later, but um, in the getting the ship out of the forge world and start finishing it and basically. Turning the engine on, he destroys the entire forge world in that process. it literally yeah. just rips it apart, so
0: how many people died? Yeah, it,
1: I mean, I don't know how I can't remember the number, but it's the entire planet, yeah, which you know millions of people, servitors every yeah, and it literally just rips it apart, so in its birth, it is already like in you know the juxtaposition of its birth, the ship's birth, and its death, the entire world's death, so I thought that was really cool. It really
0: sort of hits home, like, wow, okay, this is this is a <laughs> this is sort of big news. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think it's worth just quickly tapping into um, the urgency of of Kotov and why he's doing this, and the you get an in, again we said earlier that this this book is all about understanding the culture, I guess, the culture behind uh, the 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 Mechanicum and yeah. That you see the political, uh, what's the right term, the political movements and the political thinking, like the, the Imperium and the Mechanicum as a whole, it's so cutthroat and ruthless. And Kotov is such a big powerhouse, he's so important that you can see people trying to capitalize on his unsuccessful, you know, not on, so his unluckiness with the Tyranid High Fleet attacking his planet. You know, people yeah. are p- people are stepping on his grave already. They're ready to push past him. So this is his like.
1: But there's a weird aspect to that, isn't it, though, Dave? That they don't do it out. Of... <laughs> I think one that the other character we talk about is the sort of, his second in command is Tarkus Blaylock, another Archmagos. He sort of says, "I'm not." You know, he doesn't say it out of jealousy or anything like that. It's just sort of it's so logical to them that if someone's yeah. failing, someone should take that place.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's, like it's the, optimal thinking. Not done like a yeah. human
1: emotion. It's just sort of well. It's logical for me if you're failing, I can do a better job. So therefore, it's logical for me to t- take your place. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Do you want to talk a bit more about Blaylock? I mean, that is his kind of character, really. Is this sort of snide is the wrong word? He's he's loyal as anything, but it does make me think of that, like. Uh, politician in the wings waiting for their boss to fuck up kind of thing
1: yeah so he's sort of a big deal as well he's fabricator's locum which is quite high ranking on Mars um, he's got his own forges and everything as well but as you say he's sort of second in command he's sort of the I think I can't remember his exact job on the ship but it's he he you know takes control when um, Kotov has to Kotov has to like link to the ship and sort of his a lot of his conscious has to go into the ship to sort of run it, so he sort of playlocks the one there that then takes control of the other systems. But yeah, as he said we said he as we said, he's not out of jealousy and it's not out of any sort of human emotion, but he is the person that is wanting to basically he kind of wants he wants it to, he's two minds, isn't he? He wants the he wants this um fleet to succeed in its mission because that'd be great for the ADMEC, but he also wants it to fail because then he can take control of all the forges of Kotov
0: yeah yeah it's pretty politically motivated I think
1: yeah um but and he could let Kotov die at one point but he doesn't he does save him so. yeah
0: this is true this is true um then you've got uh uh T- T- Te- I, I, I read it as Techeon Vitali Techeon and Linya Techeon the, yeah, the the were... cartographers
1: with her father and daughter combo which you don't really see in Admet as no. well so.
0: no i thought they so were they, really interesting
1: yeah they arrive with uh another character our uh, road traders which we'll talk about in a sec um but they've been summoned by kotov because um vitaly is as a, yeah, a cartographer and he's been mapping this region that we're going to go to is called the halo scar so we'll talk about the halo scar quickly is Well, we'll talk about the whole mission. The whole mission of the whole point of this exploratory fleet was to um, follow in the footsteps of another fleet that has gone to this um, sort of warp scar. And they basically want to find out where it's gone and what happened to it and possibly what's on the other side of this halo scar. I mean, think of all the technology, Xenos technology or whatever technology they could find on untouched Imperium space. And so, this other fleet tried to do the same and disappeared. And now, news has come that there is a possibly a message that's been found of its last known position. Mm-hmm. So, um, the Tycons or Taichons have been summoned because they've been mapping the region, have noticed that it's sort of aging, like really differently to what he thought. So, he entirely has a sort of a personal mission or that he wants to discover what's going on in this area of space because it's not I mean it's a bit of a hurt pride isn't it because he's not really going to what his calculations thought were going on so yeah yeah um, that's the sort of reason why they're sort of there and it sort of just adds that father daughter dynamic which is a bit, a bit odd yeah that, um, I guess he doesn't have a wife I
0: can't remember he's if he's ever hinted back-born at daughter. maybe maybe I can't remember if it's hinted at at all but it is it is interesting.
1: I think it definitely it definitely mentions that he wanted a son and something went wrong in the process and he had a daughter. But he's immensely proud of her though, isn't he? She's,
0: yeah, and you see it many times. He he ra whenever she does something impressive, um, he radiates. New spheric binary. Like that's yeah. it's like an emotional outpouring for them. Um, and then the, the only other character I really wanted to touch in on, for me anyway, on the Sperenza, was the um the the guy in charge of the security. I can't remember his name now. What was his name? Dahan. Is it Dahan? Hi- Hiramu Hatan yeah. the second Yeah. He is a fucking badass. Like I, I do love a violent Mechanicum character. I think mean, they're pretty great.
1: Yeah, so he has like he's like he always reminds me a bit of General Grievous when he like has that battle with a space marine, which we'll talk about.
0: It's yeah, like he
1: like unfolds forearms like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and so General Colubbe. General Klobe. Um Yeah, he's pretty cool. So he's in charge of the security. I don't think any of the other characters are important apart from the, bond, the the multiple bondsmen, like Hawk and Locke. Um, yeah. Well-
1: we talk about them as a separate entity. I guess the other other character I quite like, just because of his appearance, was uh, as Majulai. He's like the Astrogation Magos, and he is literally just like three brain jars.
0: Oh yeah, he was very um nineteen fifties uh, Hollywood sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, three brains in a jar. Yeah,
1: I quite just I can like that appearance of somebody on like the deck of a ship, and he like turned around. It's just like different, you know just three brains glowing in different neon colours and there's a quite funny bit where Linnea, the daughter of Vitaly um, she corrects his
0: course because and he's like he gets really angry about it So yeah, yeah she embarrassed but, him in front of um, Kotov not on purpose yeah. just because they don't do things on purpose like that for emotional reasons I guess it's more she could see he was incorrect Yeah. yeah definitely Okay, let's jump on to the ship, the Renard, the, um, the rogue trader ship. So, who are they and why are they there?
1: So, yeah, so we we're introduced. To, I think this is this is the first people introduced to the book. So we get introduced to the Renard and the captain is uh, Rabuti Serkov.
0: What a name! Rabuti. Who is?
1: I know. I mean, you can tell where he's from from Ultima. Which I thought was interesting. Do many other planets name? People after their Primarch.
0: I think it's seen as a honour to be named after one. I mean, it is ten thousand years later. Like, there are people called Jesus now, right? Maybe
1: it's considered luck, wasn't it, or something?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is
1: before Dark Imperium, so Rebuti's not walking yeah. around anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he's the captain, and he has quite interesting backstory. Well, we find out that he was. Uh, part of the navy, and he um, he, he had a battle against some town, did really well. And then he's on another ship, and um, his captain was really an inexper- It's a whole really old British navy tale that the captain's really experienced. But from a posh family, so he gets promoted to captain, and he basically they get tapped by the elder, and he starts like giving crappy orders, or he doesn't give any orders at all. And Serkov, um he basically he takes command and ends up just having to shoot the captain because he's literally killing the whole entire crew. Yeah, yeah, mean,
0: yeah. yeah. They do
1: this uh, like a, he tells the story when he, they have like this dinner with all like the Imperial Guard and the Space Marines, doesn't he? And everyone's a bit shocked and then one of the, the um one of the space the head of the Black Templars, looks and said, You made the right choice. It's yeah. just like everyone's like, Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah. So he has this whole backstory and he gets saved by by the elder though he like gets stuck on the on the ship and um living off you know things fungus and stuff and then he gets picked up by some elder and uh yeah it's sort of that interesting thing about okay what actually happened here what yeah
0: they don't they don't really tell us do they he's been he was saved by the elder we know that he's clearly spent some time with them and then yeah um, because then that's it
1: yeah, the other part of his story is that he has the beacon from uh, where the original fleet went to the Halo Sky. So He has the last. He has found that beacon with their last message. Yeah, so,
0: and he and shows he, he he shows his rogue trader sneakiness um, by saying he has it, guaranteeing he has that beeper, that tracker, but not handing it over. He's like, well, if I'm gonna keep you to your bargain, I'm holding on to it, and you can all follow me. Which I thought was really nice, like sneaky sneaks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he keeps it in like an Eldar crate as well, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: and it only opens with his thumbprint or something, like it's gene locked or something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um he's got a crew with him as well, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, so he has his first mate is Emil Nadar. Um, don't really get too much about him. He's just sort of your mm. standard First mate in your book in this book, where I sort of question some of Rebuti's, um decisions. Of Rabute's definitely got this whole, I want to go into this warp hole and basically push the boundaries, and probably I don't really want to
0: come back. Yeah, he just wants to keep going, and obviously Emile has this sort of like hesitant
1: feel about him of actually to do should be do doing this. Yeah. So he's yeah. that sort. Of, he's that character basically. He's the juxtaposition to Rabute. Yeah, the
0: bit. conscience. Yeah. Um, I can't remember uh, much about the other characters. They were yeah, all the other re- one I
1: really like is um the engines here. She's yeah. really funny.
0: I remember that there was she... a really good scene where they were all eating a meal together. They were quite funny.
1: Yeah. And um she basically I think she get she was in part in the engines here, the guard. I think she the story is that she didn't she get hit in the head or shot in the head? So she couldn't really serve the guard anymore. But then she also allowed, like, all, during her service, like, three tanks got blew up. So the Mechanicum didn't really want her anymore because that was a disgrace. So she just sort of ended up on this ship. Yeah. And she's sort of like, I, yeah, I don't know, she's just... She's really funny. It's sort of like a bit of a ladder, maybe. I don't yeah. know if that's the right Um, But she sort of hits on some, one of the lieutenants and the guards.
0: Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> didn't like, know what to do. Yeah. It, but, yeah, yeah, and um, doesn't um, Rabute um, tell him what, f- what what floor their ship is on? Because he's like, just so you know where you are when you wake up in the morning, which I thought <laughs> yeah. was really funny. Um, uh, that I, I can't think of any other key characters out of that group. I guess um, it reminds me; they remind me of Firefly. I don't know if you ever watched that. But it's like yes. ragtag group of just very likable characters. Um, shall we talk about the Black Templars? Who are they and why are they
1: there? Yeah, so this is the other aspect. I mean, this is the bit where you get your you get your Space Marines in this book, but they sort of have a they have a point in this. I feel like Black Templars are well suited to so the Admet because they are again a sort of crusading force that go out into the uh, into the unknown. I guess. So yeah they're pretty good for that and um, they're led by Cool Gilad who's a, a reclusiarch so your chaplain in
0: Terminator, like, Terminator armour yeah in fucking hench Terminator armour he's massive
1: yeah and he has um, how many entities do you have one two three four five there's only six six other space marines with him yeah so a small force but I guess that's you get mistaken don't you really that, that's kind of not that atypical
0: well, there's only a thousand space marines per chapter Exactly. And so. they get a hundred in a company, and I think there's a quote from Rebute Gilliman, it's like, uh, no, no, sorry, Rogel Dawn, where he's like, give me a hundred Space Marines, or like, 50,000 of any other men. Um, the idea being, that they're, they're supposed to be the subtle knife wound, not the, you know, like the surgical stab, not the, the bludgeoning hammer yeah. of the guard. Um, and you do feel so that you- in this, the, the, the scenes we see them in, they're, They're how they're meant to be. When you see pitch battles in heresy of like 10,000 marines shooting at each other, it just feels like anything else. But when you see them in the scope of this story and when they do battle, you realise that they're worth their weight in gold.
1: Yeah, and they're really revered. I mean, even the Admech let their ship not be connected to the Neurosphere because they're respected and Black Templars are very secretive, so... Yeah, and the Adnech respect that request, don't they? So yeah, that was quite interesting. Yeah. So he has other, as I said, six other spacemen with him, and one of them, they have go. Through, we weren't first introduced. They're going through this initiation process where one of them is picked as the emperor's champion.
0: Yeah, and he's picked in a weird way. They're like purposely uh, exposed to some kind of chemical, right? Like yeah, yeah. It's I guess it's from the Reclusiarch's um they always carry those funny, uh, ch- incense. Partners, yeah, inc- yeah, incense things, um, and I think it's meant to stimulate part of their brain. And what it ends up doing is is causing one of them to have visions, and he sees himself as the emperor's champion, and he's like, "Rise, my son," that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool as fuck, man. Like uh, one of my earliest memories is collecting Black Templars. You know, I, I I collected all sorts during the nineties, but it was all higgledy piggledy. My first two armies were all around the um, Armageddon campaign in nineteen ninety nine, I think it was. Where it was all Black Templars, and they released that special edition one, which I don't know where to get hold of it. Because you know, you have got one now where he's holding the sword up in one arm. Yeah. The first, yeah. the first one was holding it in two hands in front of himself.
1: Yes, um, I remember, yeah, I yeah. remember one in my local shop, it painted, like, complete, like, bronze.
0: Oh, it badass. yeah. Um, so I, I've got a real soft spot for Black Templars. I know you do as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I love the Templars.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, we've got Black Templars there. And let's just tap in for a second on the weight of Kotov's influence. Because he's basically called a crusade himself and managed to get a rogue trader on board who are a power unto themselves and some Black Templars are joining and as we're going to now Cade, uh, uh, the, the Cadians so he's got Guard on side and Titan Legio like that is yeah. that is an immensely powerful man um, so I just think it's really worth pointing out
1: yeah definitely and um, I was going to say there's another aspect to the Space you mentioned this dantium battle where they lost their last emperor's champion so there's this whole I feel that they're trying to redeem themselves yeah, maybe or is yeah. this you it, do get that this dantium though. thing gets mentioned throughout the book and it's never really explored in this one no I think so. it's
0: there to hopefully we'll get a, some kind of conclusion to it in the next one or the one after but it's definitely there as a uh, They're meant. They're, they're meant to come across as a little bit uh, shamed, them maybe like they feel like they've been yeah. sent away, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They feel like they've been sent away for some kind of punishment, and they've been told they haven't, but they kind of feel like they have. Um, yeah, so we've got the Cadians, the Hellhounds, which is a great name for a company. Um, yeah. and we first meet them as they're trying to embark on the Speranza with all of their tanks, and they're trying to drive them all on, and they've got the best. Uh, admins in the guard trying to help them get these ships loaded, and I love it that they immediately end up in a gridlock. And uh, the mechanic are just like, "Let me do that," and they're like, "No, these are our tanks. We want to put them on." And they're like, "We're more efficient. Let us do it." And eventually, that the general looks at the how quickly they can actually do it, and he's like, "Go on then, get it done." And they do it in like rapid time. Like yeah, they like do like the big cranes think- and stuff. Come along and just pick the tanks up and shove them on shelves.
1: Yeah, he like doesn't he like? He looks like his he look comes over and he's like, "Let's see the arguing." And he like looks at the mechanicum's iPad. And is like, "Oh, yeah, that is, that is Jesus way Christ, better. you're oh, efficient." Okay, yeah, fine.
0: yeah. Um, so, I can't remember many of the characters really. They kind of they're they're not in it for huge amounts, but we've got well, everyone really we've got Colonel, Captain, Lieutenant, requisitional support officer. I think that was the guy that's trying to get the tanks on the ship. Um, yeah, yeah. But the uh, only
1: one we really talk about is Van Anders, isn't he? The Colonel. Yeah. That's the only one we we sort of get the most insight into and yeah. he's the one that sort of holds the ball at, at that they've dinner where we said Rabuti tells about his backstory yeah. and yeah, he's
0: Yeah, and he we see yeah, him in action. But as you
1: said, yeah. As you say, you don't get the t- you don't get too much about him, but
0: No, you get enough to see that they're they are a fantastic regiment. I like, I really do like Cadians. If they weren't so prevalent in models, I'd probably be inclined to collect them, but yeah. I, I knee-jerk against against it just because they're everywhere. Um, yeah, exactly. And then we've got <coughs> sorry, got a frog in the throat. <coughs> then we've got the uh, Legio Sirius, which is um, the Titan Legion. Um, so what type of titans do they have? I can't remember. They've got. They like got a, warlo- a warlord, a Reaver, warlord. and two warhounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and they're they're pretty interesting. Um,
1: yeah, so we I think we first see them is when Rabute is sort of handing his. It's when he meets the mechanic when he says he's sort of got. He says I've got the beacon, and he goes on this like grav train to meet Kotov, because he's like I'm only going to share it to Kotov. And as they like flashing past in this like grav train across the Tire ship because it's that big, like a monorail a little bit. He um, he sees like the legion being loaded on, and that literally like there's entire titans that's being loaded on by cranes into the hold, and it's not like, this is like a titan, and there's like room to spare. Is I mean.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's got,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, they got they got great names. I'll just quickly run through them. So the uh, ones called uh, well, they're not the not the the people that look after the the, the princeps of the each one have got amazing names. So there's Arlo Luth, the winter's Sun. He's the warlord princeps of Luper Kapitalan, Um yeah. Then you've got a really Swedish sounding name. Um, Eriks Skullmold with uh, Moon Sorrow, who's the reaver princeps of Canis Alfrika. Gunnar Vintras, the skinwalker. Warham princeps of Amarok and Ellis Harren the Ironwode, Warhound Princeps of Vilka. So they've all got very, um, almost like uh Space Wolf sounding names. Like it's very Scandinavian. Yeah, uh, they do really operate like, like a
1: wolf pack, it says, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and they kind of behave like that when they're not in their ships. They're very, um, feral's the wrong word. They're very, uh, almost animalistic, like they are personifications of their, titans in a way which i thought was really well done
1: um yeah i think there's a bit when one of them is being loaded and there's sort of the uh the moon sorrow the reaver sort of makes a movement that the Warlord perceives as like sort of him trying to take out like be the alpha of the group and the warlord sort of just they have like this sort of standoff strut thing, and I thought it was like really interesting. Like they're a group and they fight together, but there's a whole fighting to be the lead, the pack leader, which is, yeah,
0: yeah it's... no, it's barely contained as well. Like he's only just about powerful <laughs> enough to keep him in check. Um, and then, I'm... and there's sort of this weird thing. I, we'll talk
1: we'll talk about the bit in the story later. But even at the beginning, there's sort of this whole there's nothing not quite right going on with the warlords' Princeps, and it reminds me a bit of. The, um, uh, what was it? The Armageddon story that's on YouTube.
0: Oh, I know who you mean. Um, yeah, the black and white ones, which are beautiful. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. What's really that know. story? Called? What Hell's, Reach. Hell's Reach. Hell's this Reach.
1: One, yeah. yeah, there's a bit where the Titan there is something's not quite right with the Princeps. I haven't read that story, so I don't know what actually happens. I've been following the YouTube thing, but it's the sort of same aspect, That something's not quite right with the, um, with the princeps and I think it was quite interesting because these
0: princeps are literally just like a torso floating in and them like fluid yeah so you, yeah it's, it, it, it's a common theme that comes through in some other stories so if you're hardwired to your um titan for too long um eventually your body starts rebelling against being a body and it just wants to be interred and eventually they end up just becoming part of the titan itself and they can't, they don't like being unplugged because when they unplug, they dream. And they, it's a bit like people stuck, uh, when Marines get stuck in dreadnoughts, you know, and they just like, yeah, yeah, they thrash in their sleep and stuff and they go a bit crazy. Um, I think that's what's happening to the Winter Sun, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah, I really like, I'm um, after reading, um, obviously reading, uh, Mechanicus, and there's a whole nights bit in that, I just love, love that. And then with the whole new Codex coming out, I'm a big fan of. Knights at the minute. I just love giving them cool names mm-hmm. and different like heraldry. Um, they're like knights. Pack-
0: they're, I know they're called cool yep. heroes but it's literally like uh, knights, as in big armored dudes on horses. That's how I see it. It's you know. They, I think in one of the, I think it's in Mechanicum actually. They refer to the the one of the knight riders refers to his knight as a steed. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, It's I love that. I think it's great. Very evocative. Um, yeah. So, just moving on to the last part of the Dramatis Personae, um, the the Starblade. So, this is... Uh, I, I guess it's not the first time I've heard this criticism. Um, the, I did find the Eldar story a little bit... Bolted-in's not fair, that's not right. It needs to be there. But I'm assuming it's a teeing up for Book 2 and Book 3. Um... It didn't feel like it had too much resonance, the Eldar characters in this book. What, how did you feel about it? Is that yeah, like, just being unfair? I feel,
1: yeah, I did have that same feeling. I felt, as you say, it's teeing up for something bigger, and there's a link to this Dantean shame going on with the. Uh, there's some rivalry with the Black Templars that we don't know of. It's, it's, it's the same as when you watch like, a TV series and they like, show you stuff, and you have to watch until the end to find out what. And my wife. Cannot stand that, and she drives her mental. I, it does drive me mental sometimes as well, but I have a bit more patience for it. Is that you just have to keep keep on with it, and just keep going, and you'll it. It should pay off in the end, and it, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen with this elder at the minute. But yeah, at the minute I'm a bit confused why they're in the book really.
0: Yeah, it's just it's Graham tickling our balls, isn't it? It's um, yeah. you know, um, it's giving us a reason to want to know more, and that's great. Is that's fine. I think. I trust the reason for them to be in there, so I get it. But if I was a one-off reader who just picked up this book randomly, you would be like, why are they in this story? I don't quite understand. Yeah, but
1: in, as a standalone book, you don't need, really need the Elder story in it. No. And it doesn't really make much difference. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that is the rather large cast of characters, and we've covered a, nearly an hour of the podcast. Um, so I guess it's worth us... I don't think we need to go through the story because, as we mentioned before, it's it's a it's a journey, it's an exploration. Um, but do you want to touch in on a few points that you think are important in the book, like key milestones or, or just bits that are really exciting?
1: Yeah, so I thought one of the first bits of the book that sort of really, as I was reading it, sort of grabbed me was um, when we meet the character, I think we briefly talked about was Abraham Locke. He's sort of like, he's a dock loader is what I see it as. He's basically, the, you know, the sprenzers in orbit and they're just filling it with, like, you know, goods.
0: And they're not machines. on the Sprenza, are, are they?
1: No, they're on, like, the dock, like, the Forge dock world. And he's, like, a... He's, he's in a fairly middle-ranking... Um, he sort of runs a group, doesn't he? He runs, like, a crane group. that I just yeah. see it as, like, picking up shipping containers and, like getting them loaded on ships to be loaded to you know, go into space to be on the Sprenza. Yeah. And we meet him and he goes to, like, they talk clock off and they go to, like, the dock bar, which I thought was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's like a proper dive, like a proper yeah Mos Eisley canteen.
1: Yeah, and they, like, have, like, basically the latest alcohol drink brewed in, like, doesn't it say
0: in the Promethean barrels where yeah. off
1: Hellhounds or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all guard
0: moonshine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they can tell, basically, what tank it was brewed from, from the taste or something. It was, yeah, it was, it was really funny.
0: And he, um, meets, he meets all of his chums there, right? Um, he meets his boss, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, so he meets... Yeah, he yeah. He convinced his boss, basically, who is called Ismail... Yeah, to Ismail. ...to yeah. sort of clock off with him. And his friend's like, oh, why did you bring the boss? You know, sort of that typical after-work drink thing. And then, basically... They get they get press ganged. They get this group read by this magos raid the bar. it was the Arbites, wasn't
0: it? It Is it they call Arbites? Arbeites Arbites. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: They just fucking raid the bar and just round everyone up.
1: Because yeah, and it's kinda brutal. Like it's there's like a um him and he meets as you said, he meets Julius Hawk in that bar and they sort of try and get out of it together and then he's they basically get cornered and chucked in the back of a of a van or speeder and say right well, basically you're going on the ship to basically be menial work to us and they end up do as they say get scraping like burnt off promethium from the engines and it's horrible what happens to them.
0: Yeah, they go from fairly normal I imagine normal in terms of the the world the the, the life of an imperial citizen, right? Like horrible yeah, have a bit horrible backstory. labor job.
1: friend about his wife. He has he has an ex-wife but and two kids or oh, his 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 two kids died in he? and his friends got
0: a wife or an ex-wife and yeah like normal family. Yeah. And they Part yeah and they get bullshit. they get full on stolen for essentially what is slavery within the mechanicum purely mm-hmm. because they were drinking in a bar, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Like you do get to see every level of this society and you realise it's not it's not nice. It's a fucking grim world.
1: Yeah. And I think pretty in that beginning as well that their boss is now like, kicking off and he gets basically dragged out of the container and they don't see him again until some point later when they're when they're on the ship and they finish their shift and they go to the canteen and he's a servitor. Yeah. And it's like oh fuck. Yeah. That's really really hit home for me because you meet this guy and he's like a normal, you know, this normal guy and he's drinking at the bar having fun and he, obviously he's angry at being kidnapped and then he's literally turned into a brainless zombie.
0: For daring to question why he'd been kidnapped, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty grim. Um...
1: So I like his story, he's really, and it, it goes through the whole book of like um, he's got like, hasn't he got his inherited his, basically his father's eyes, literally, where they have um, there are uh, bionic eyes. Like he's got a sl-
0: he's got a, a very discreet bionic eye, so he yeah. can like read door codes and stuff like that.
1: And it helps him through the story, and eventually gets him some respect. So
0: yeah, because they do start to, to to praise the Omnissiah and. The, the sort of low level bosses of the Mechanicum around them start to starts to like him a little bit, I think. Yeah, um, they do have they do have time for him. Um, so cool. So what else in the story do you think is really important?
1: Um. So yeah, that was the first bit that really sort of caught me. And as and as the next bits we talk about is interdiction of the other characters and stuff. And um, I thought the next. A uh, really cool bit was, I think we did discuss, was that dinner that the yep. Acadians invite the Space Marines to, and some of the high-level Magos and as I say, yeah, Rebuti of Acadians and it's basically all the different levels except the lowest of the low come to this dinner, and it's just that interaction between the um, admec who at dinner gets served, that this says like this chlorine-smelling broth while well, the other people with with taste buds get sort of a a soup, but it was this really weird juxtaposition. And then oh,
2: yeah.
1: it was like a really meal of like tension, wasn't there? Because the space marines are sat there and they're just sort of, they don't even eat because they eat this extremely high calorie, like high nutrient diet. That if someone took a taste of it, they would literally explode because it's <laughs> so, so full of nutrients. You know, you're eat. hard
0: as nails when if someone ate your meal, they'd explode. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but there is that bit when we said where um, the guy ahead of Skitari he's discussing and he's like, I've uploaded every fighting style oh, and that fighting is,
0: is that Deham? yeah Deham? yeah yeah,
1: and he's brought down to like numbers and logic. He says every fighting is basically equations and logic, and you know that's how that's how I can't be beaten. And the spaceman is like, Nah, it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think mean, the space he kind of gets a Dehan gets a little bit offended, right? He's like, the spaceman's like, "Are you challenging me to a duel?" And he's like, "I think so." Like, is <laughs> like, yeah, sure. That's what you want to do. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. So that was yeah. It was, I thought it was a really cool meal, and that's when um, Ributi tries to hit on Linear uh, take on the daughter as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, he says she's beautiful. Like, even though she's half machine.
1: Yeah, I think all of, like her like chain like machine parts. Wu is um, and she got quite got a human. Still looks pretty human, like un, like with the robes on and stuff. She's like kept her face and she's got like natural hair and stuff. She has like a few adaptations, as we say, but she likes to write on paper. She's still got a very human side to her, and he sort of kind of fancies her, and she literally puts the <laughs> slams and goes. Um, you are not interesting to me at all. I have, my brain has been wired, so I don't feel romance and I've literally analyzed everything about you in a microsecond. So bye.
0: There's nothing about you that interests me. Goodbye. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's like, he's like Oh, can we be friends? He's like, Oh yeah, oh, we can be friends, but romantically there's nothing interesting.
0: Yeah. I like how he just took that on the chin and cracked on with his dinner. Like it didn't <laughs> seem to phase him. Um, cool and yeah like you mentioned he he tells that story which goes really well Um, as in that was a really dramatic part of the story like it really felt I was really engrossed Um, and it kind of the way it it felt like something out of a I don't know war and peace like someone standing around a dinner table telling retelling a war story it was really cool yeah as
1: as I mentioned like the space Marines when he says that bit where the dark elder are attacking and he basically has to shoot his captain everyone's like (gasps) didn't take a breath and like um the reclusiarch is like, I would have done the same or something. It's yeah. Everyone was like, "Well, yeah, yeah." It was, just, it was really tense. I thought it was really good.
0: Um, okay, so moving on from there, where next in the story? Because by that point they would taken off, right, and they're they're flying. Yeah. So yeah. So they go on. What bit? What bit jumps out as you next?
1: Uh, the next bit was was like um, where they have basically war games on the ship. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so impressive. It's so, so impressive.
1: Yeah, so this is a bit where we have... Um, I can't remember... Yeah, so they have like a war game, and it's not just like... Um, not even like in Star Wars, where they have like holographic thing. It's literally he builds a city on the ship, and he has titans and all the Cadians fighting in it, and they're literally just destroying the ship, and people die in this war game. It's like live rounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite incredible, so it's big enough it's basically big enough to build a city in. But it's totally to their choosing. They can make whatever they want, right? It doesn't even have to just be buildings. It must no, no, be some he, kind of complex machine where they pl- plug in what they want and it builds it.
1: Yeah. And as I said, it's not like hololithic buildings, it's like real buildings. But he can yeah, he can like literally sink it into the floor and bring up another entire different landscape.
0: It's incredible. Yeah, it blew my mind a bit. Um so they they have uh, action there don't they Where um, that is that where Dahan fights the duel with the Black Templar
1: yeah so yeah so I think um, he had the war games and Dahan's like applauding the Cadians like oh you you know you're pretty damn efficient which yeah. is high yeah. raised from Mechanicum and then the Space Marines like walk over and he's like oh you know talking about efficiency you know, look behind and they have that fight and Dahan's like doing really well to start with he's sort of Kind of kicks his ass for a little bit, <laughs> yeah. And then, as the space marine's like on his knees and dehan's like doing some fancy stuff behind him, the space marine literally just puts his sword like under his arm behind him and like to the throat of dehan, and he's like, "What?" He's like, "What? What?" That's not a known fighting style, and like space marine's like, "Well, you know, you got to win. How you win?" So.
0: yeah, I love that. It's um, the the emperor bred uh, the marines for one thing to be able to take absolute punishment and still fight they're bred to keep going and going and going um, obviously they know loads of styles of fighting but that's irrelevant um, they're, they're two sides of a very different coin like he's all about efficiency Hans all about efficiency and absolute knowledge is power the Space Marine was more like uh, if you have to roll around in the dirt and strangle them to death that's what you have to do And um, I really like that I just think they're so different that there's like a nod of respect almost between them. They don't dislike each other because of it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the hand's like, oh, maybe I... Sh-. And even he's like, oh, maybe he like comes to learn from them, doesn't he? He sort yeah. of like comes, comes and
1: trains to the Space rings. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, does what happens to the Titans happen immediately after?
1: Yeah, thing? pretty much. Yeah. Um, basically, they just turn around and like the Titans are squaring off to each other. And then we sort of find out that the um, the warlord he the princeps is basically thinking that he's at some past Tyranid battle and he's surrounded by Tyranids, and he's just like charging up his plasma gun, basically like thinks he's surrounded and like you see all the um you see all like the engineers and pr- um, pr- um, Magos inside the type like some of them like literally just burst and disintegrate as like the wall the. Um, titan just takes over and like, these two magos is like really trying not to like let the plasma gun um sort of fire up mm-hmm. heat up yeah it's a, it a really cool bit I thought
0: yeah Yeah. so like he's having a nightmare isn't he um of this previous yeah. battle and the gun overcharges and does it just fire into the ground next to him or does it no, just overcharge it, and it, explode
1: it, yeah they're literally trying to do everything to vent it off and like i can't stop it i can't stop it and he literally points it at the um he thinks the Reaver is some, like, massive Tyranid beast and he thinks, you know, he's, he basically charges up and fires and it, like, takes out the shoulder arm of yeah. the Reaver yeah, and yeah. the coolest bit is plasma-like
0: bolt just keeps going. <laughs> it so, yeah. goes through, like,
1: every bulkhead.
0: <laughs> it's like that bit when um, uh, the alien from Aliens bursts out of the guy's chest and the acid just drips and drips and drips and drips. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. I found yeah, it very yeah. similar to that but imagine it on a colossal scale where it causes insane amounts of damage to the ship.
1: It... Yeah because it's like super oxygenated atmosphere and it just like goes through every bulkhead and like Kotov is like going what the fuck is like, going on? He's like trying to do everything and he's like venting stuff and he's like yeah it's just chaos and the bit where we go back to our, our favourite uh, bondsman's Bondsman, lock yeah. and they like finish their shift and he can re- he sees, like, it hits, like, the pl- plasma drive or something, doesn't it? And, like, it starts leaking plasma into, like, the chamber they're on. Yeah. And he looks up and he sees, um, like, drips forming. And he's like, oh, we need to get out of here because it's going to be flooded with plasma. And, like, their, over, like, overseer it's like, where are you going? Where are you going? And then he just watches a drop of plasma fall onto his head and he the guide is literally disintegrates, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it burns out his eyes from the inside with fire and he just turns to sludge. Yeah. yeah. And then they run so they, they somehow survive by running very, very fast the other way.
1: Yeah, before that like, the entire chamber collapses and completely plasma.
0: They get an Upgrading job because of that. They yeah, they run everyone, to a different deck and everyone's like, Oh wow, the Omnici Praises you, you're really cool. And they're like, Yeah, <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, and I think the next overseer they get is a bit more tolerant and sort of, yeah, he sort of sees him as being touched by the side. So, yeah, they get a bit better
0: life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we have that, that's the big accident, isn't it? That's um, a huge part of the story. Because they end up losing quite a lot. Like, don't they end up with mass damage to the guard regiment and everything. Like, it causes serious damage.
1: Yeah, like loads of stuff is vented into space because of it. So
0: yeah, um, so they have
1: to like pull out the warp and like try and fix. It. I mean, the ship has forges on it, doesn't it? So they literally fix the Titan on the ship, which is quite impressive. So yeah. the Titan, the Titan gets hit and die. But yeah,
0: what's your next milestone then in the story?
1: Alright, yes. Yeah, so the next bit is when they come to this sort of station on the edge of the Halo scar was the last sort of known point. Um, I can't remember the name of the Magos that went up there following.
0: Um, What's I do know this. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I just saw this in my book. It's really annoying. I was just flicking and I saw it. Uh, sorry, listeners, we're just having a quick flick.
1: Telok. Is it Telok? What was that?
0: Telok sounds Yeah, Magos Telok. Uh, I can't find it I'm going to go to Telok because you said so yeah so yeah as we said before basically this
1: whole point of this mission is to follow where Nagos went and try and find what's happened to him and this station is sort of one of the last points that they know he was at and they yeah. sort of get there and this is like a whole alien scene where it's just sort of floating in space and it's an unmanned station isn't it it's, well it's actually... No, it's meant to be manned, but it looks...
0: There's no readings. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're
1: like... This looks really suspicious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so like, yeah. It's very weird. Very spooky. Like, a totally different change of tone, I thought.
1: Yeah, because we go from literally... Yeah, Titans fighting on a ship to suddenly really eerie, slow... Event horizon SC. stuff. Scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who goes what do they do? They they board with a small raiding party to go and find out, right? Yeah,
1: so yeah, Kotov himself goes and does Rabut No. Um what some of the K, the Cadian Cadians and, and
0: uh, so the colonel goes, I believe, and yeah. with a... with two squads um and the Black Templars. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, why wouldn't you take the space ring?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course.
1: So it's yeah, so they get there and it's sort of really like a horror movie because they turn on and like, the screen flickers on and this um, tech priest is on there and he sort of greets them and he's like he's like oh this is automated uh, recording and he tells like he's like tell the ship the spaceship like turn the tell them turn it off because we don't want to alert any alarms and he's like okay he turns it off and they come in and then when they go through the door again it pops up again and yeah. like I thought you turned turn it off and then it's suddenly dawn like, it's not a recording there's like this weird tech priest there and then suddenly out of nowhere like these servitors turn up and we start shooting them and suddenly realise they're not just servitors, they're like orc servitors with human skin covering them.
0: It's so gross. It's yeah. so spooky. Like orcs can take a serious amount of punishment. Like they're really, really sturdy, you have to really smash their brain to pieces. las guns are gonna do fuck all. Like you're gonna struggle. Um
1: Yeah, so they end up trying to like batter these get surrounded by these orc servitors on this station and it's just yeah, it turns into like this weird slasher horror movie thing where there's sort of space marines are like pounding and even some of the space, I think one space marine takes a like a beating as soon as he gets like hit with this electro whip and he's like his skin fuses to his arm or something. Yeah
0: does one die?
1: That's what I think. I don't know whether he dies or not. I'm
0: not sure. Yeah, but yeah definitely. They basically uh, it's it's a bit like aliens. Like they're trying to slowly work their way around this station while they're being attacked from all sides by these weird orc servitors covered in human skin. But um, yeah. we start That's losing people. Like with... they have like rudimentary guns, don't they? That shoot nuts and bolts at people and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. It's so grim. Like Cadians losing their legs because they've just had them shredded off by like a really low-grade shotgun. It's so violent and horrible.
1: Yeah, and like, there's a really cool scene where, like, the is like, right, we just have to get into hand-hand combat, and, like, the Ecclesiarch is, like, described as, like, running into the orcs like a bowling ball or a sledgehammer or something. It's just,
0: yeah. Just tearing forward. And even they have a, a problem. He's, like, just beating them with his power fist, and he's, like,
1: relentless, just wave after wave of orc servitor.
0: Yeah, so it's really, really um, urgent. Like, they run out of ammo, they end up backed into a corner don't they where it's like right this is actually our last stand and the problem is is they can't they're being blocked by something they can't call back to the main ship to tell them they're being attacked Yeah. they're, they're completely cut off from any comms so they, they have no choice but to try and fight their way out and yeah it gets to a last stand where they then they clog the stairway up with like furniture and stuff yeah. and just keep chucking grenades down it trying to slow them down and Popping off the last of their shots, and they literally have nothing left. Where the guard end up getting out there straight silver. They're like, right, we're going to have to do this by hand, boys, knowing that they're probably going to die. So, epic. yeah. It's-
1: it's really cool and like um, they're in that room where they find the orcs uh, where they're being made into sectors and there's like a curtain of human skin being grown to cover them Yeah. and like Kotob's like freaking out because he's like this is against the Omniciah's will yeah. you're perverting the machine god and stuff it's yeah
0: very very horror like it's very grim I think that shows yeah. us the, the, the breadth of the book because when you do a journey story you can play in different sandboxes as an author I think um, he's not tied into telling a war story is he he's he can kind no. of like jason and the argonauts you can go from one scene to the next being totally different things like skeletons and mermaids and 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 balls and all sorts like i think that's really really cool like he's does exactly what he's done with this story i wasn't expecting there to be any kind of like horror twist but there is yeah no,
1: yeah it's really cool it's definitely a nice like change of pace i, mean, I guess you know get that bit of action as well so yeah it's yeah
0: fun. yeah 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 true um and what happens once they start realizing the orcs have stopped. <laughs> they stop moving, right?
1: Yeah, so they mention like I think one of them says about um about Teloc saying, Oh it was like a fool to follow Teloc or something like that and then suddenly they just stop and then this like spider thing comes from out the top of the ceiling, doesn't he? And it's like it's this um what we find out is like this um, it's the machine, it's the station's like artificial intelligence, but it's been merged with like brains of different Magos's. And there's this like, it's creepy ass thing. Like, it moves like a spider on like all these legs. It's like, uh, it's got like a human sort of shaped head body bit, and then like in a ring around it, are, like brain jars.
0: Yeah, it's so gross. And what's even more gross and scary is as they talk to it they realise that it was the one that sent out the beacon and it's been doing this for a really, really long time. Um Yeah, see. So, like like a like um like a what's that fish that puts the little light bulb on in the dark.
1: Yeah, like an angler fish.
0: Yeah, it's basically like that. It purposely sends out messages to bring travellers in. But it needs brains to survive. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, so he's called Galate, isn't he? Galatee?
0: Galatee, yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically, Teloc, when he arrived there, he found that the station had so much information about the Halo Scar that he couldn't process it. So he basically used the artificial intelligence of the station and merged it with his own, like, Magos's, which is. That's pretty, that's pretty horrible, like, to go, right, you know, you're my second command, I need your brain to sort of basically. Sort this data. Yeah, and he he creates this thing, which is sort of against the Admech rules because you can't. Re- well, it's it's really weird because they sort of you can't have artificial intelligence, but because they've merged it with real brains slash intelligence, it's not breaking like one of their rules. It's it's very. I don't know. It's this weird line that they've drawn for themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so what happens after so they, they, they chat, right? So they, they, they kind of... They're like, right, no one else needs to die? That's cool. And then, Co, Co, is it Kotov? He has to kind of make a decision.
1: Yeah, and he thought, he brings it onto his ship and he sort of puts it in this room where he thinks it can't have any connection to anything, basically. He's cut off its Wi-Fi, basically. Yeah. And then, like, they question it and they find out that, yeah, as they say, Teloc made him and he basically, he wants to kill Telok.
0: Yeah.
1: In a weird way. Yeah, uh, it's I don't the find Yeah. And as we said, we find out that he's been luring, because all the brains in his body sort of deteriorate after so many millennia, so he just needs to replace them. And he sort of says, I'm in control, but he uses the different brains, that each one comes to the surface for a different aspect that he needs it for, and... Yeah, it's
0: creepy. Really, mm. really creepy. Really creepy. It's it, Again, it's like something out of a, you know, old 1950s American horror, like it came out of space kind of thing. It's really gross. <laughs> but um, it makes the devil's bargain with him, doesn't it? Coat yeah, so he's like, well, he,
1: can, he knows a route, because he's processed all this information of the halo sky. He knows a route through it. So he's like, well, I can use this to actually successfully get through here and find what I want. But he could literally just take over my ship and kill us
0: all, so Yeah, so he has to make the bargain. He, he's so Kotov's so desperate for redemption and justification that he has to go for it, otherwise his mission's a failure. Um, so <laughs> doesn't the, the the uh machine essentially take over the ship? Yeah. He, he gives it plots control them of course. Yeah. And then that's what that's when they dive into the Halo uh, scar, right? They that's when they do it, and he's got like a really strict rule, where it's we have to go this one route, and everyone has to follow me. They cannot drift off course. Um, yeah,
1: it's really cool. Pretty really cool scene. Literally, like things flight like the ship's being shaken apart as it's going. there, but he says like you have to ignore it. There's a cost to what we're doing, but we you will survive if you come through. Um, the way I'm showing them, and, like bits fall off the ship, and like, because there's like near black holes and stuff, they disintegrate into like grains of sand, like instantly. It's crazy.
0: It's um. It's very similar to, you know, like harpies out at sea, like people attempt, yeah. people attempt to try and turn away from that path to try and get away from danger, because like, I know you have to follow this one path or you will die. And some ships do, don't they? They like evaporate, yeah, like they just literally just ex- evaporate into nothing. They don't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's really it's really cool just for how it's described, just as it's going through space and like, yeah, you know, one of the ships turns off course and it's like it's literally being pulled and the gravitational forces are just
0: pulling it apart, and disintegrating it, and one ship. Sorry, okay. gone.
1: I was going to say, and one ship tries to help, and it's like you just can't because you will literally be pulled into the same black hole.
0: Yeah, isn't there a really cool bit as well where in front of them they can see a ship that's actually behind them being pulled apart and they're like oh yeah yeah." that's yeah, the yeah, time isn't... time like is ahead of us right now so you're seeing what's about to happen and then it happens yeah it's they really the of the future. yeah Yeah. so cool so so cool um yeah
1: because like think about the physics just like light is being pulled around that like, just traveling at different times and different things it's yeah it's crazy physics going on
0: and then they get out the other end right
1: they do, and there's a bit where the Eldar show up. Again, this is what we're saying, or like the elder I'm not quite sure the point of this story, but we find out the Eldar show up and they attack the space marines. Well, they blow up a few ships and then they attack the space marines because their bone seer or far has a sort of this vendetta against the reclusiarch.
0: Yeah, it's and just... And she's sub... It, I, I, I actually just suddenly remembered why the Eldar are kind of in it. They keep alluding to two empty children's cots like two oh yeah yeah two t- elder children cots and it seems to be tied into the black templars being alive but we don't really get any more info on that like we have no idea um what relevance because you know what they're like the, the elder are not good guys they will kill 10 planets of imperium to save the potential birth of a new elder like they've they do not care. So it could be forward planning on their half.
1: Yeah, I what I probably got from it was that she has she's seen that she has children in the future, but the Black Templars and specifically the Reclusiarch, is the um it somehow stops that. In some future maybe he kills her or he kills the children. So she's determined to kill him. And she summons an avatar, doesn't she, on the ship. And that's, it's such a cool fight. Like He punches it with all of his might with a power fist. And he thinks he's won. And he just sees the avatar heal itself with his like, magma. And he's like,
0: fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty epic fight. Because he just... It, he, I didn't realise this. Avatar's weapons change as they're fighting with you. Yeah. So it can have a sword, an axe, a spear, whatever it needs. And he's like fighting it with all of his speed and strength in Terminator armour. And then he just kind of the world turns upside down, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And he's just been cut in half, and he, yeah. it happened so quickly. And I'm guessing cauterized the wound so immediately he didn't feel it. Um, I thought yeah, that was I pretty epic. Yeah, he said. Yeah, like he put, he
1: said he like he uses all of his strength to punch it, knowing that he's gonna die. But at least he's like taking it with him. And then as he said, yeah, he starts spinning across the room, and he like lands, and he just sees the avatar heal itself, and he's just like. Fucking
0: hell! <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely bonkers. And then the story kind of just wraps up there, right? With the loss of the
1: yeah.
0: So the Black Templars get off of their ship, and I'm guessing are on the Spesnaz now, probably. Yeah, and he sends them away a, in
1: a Thunderhawk, doesn't he? And yeah. they um, they're like sort of mourning, feel quite low. I guess that they've sort of run away from a fight, maybe. And they yeah. Sort of, yeah, they're not feeling good about themselves.
0: And then it kind of just... Um, it does end abruptly, and that's a big critique I've seen online of the story. The story yeah. just ends. Um, they, they
1: reach the other side and they find one planet around a dying sun, and there's like an imperial beacon coming from that planet. Yeah. So they think they found Teloc, basically. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And then, as you said, but there's a really cool bit at the end as well, With again with our, our boy Abraham Locke where the Eldar attack the Sprenger as well, don't they? And they they're going for the ship, and he's they're sort of running away, and he gets cornered by a few, and he gets this old plasma pistol that um, Hawk sort of traded with the Skatari for, and it doesn't work. It's like spent, and he picks it up, and he just it fires, and he's like, "What the hell? That's not meant to fire!" And then it vents and fuses to his hand.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. grim. So, so grim. <laughs> He, he rolled a one. And it was
1: like, like, yeah, he definitely rolled a one. And then he, <laughs> he like with his bloody hand, like still surrounded by elder, he's like oh, rests against this wall that's always been for the whole story. It's really weird, like some some signal signals coming from it. He like rests against it, and it just opens up, and this naked massive flagellant sort of strides out and just butchers all the elder.
0: Yeah, it's so good. Ar- Arco-flagellants are. Is it flagellants or flailigans? Have I made up two words?
1: I don't know. Can't remember.
0: But they're fucking incredible, right? They're they're so gnarly and weird. Um. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's, instead of hands, he's got whips.
0: Yeah, but made of chains and metal and stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: flag flagellant. flagellants. Flagellants, <laughs> arco <laughs> archoflatulents.
1: He just farts them
0: today. Yeah, um, and then yeah, uh, the the book kind of just ends abruptly, um, but we know that it's teeing you up for book two and three. Um, so I'm conscious of time. I know we don't want to drag all of our episodes out into mega long episodes, but um, what's your overall feeling?
1: I yeah, as I said, I, I really like this book. It's and there's loads of like really cool scenes the character all the characters are really interesting and there's sort of like this unknown depth to them which is like backstories there's there's a lot of tense scenes in this book not from action but just from like interactions with each other and it, it really like keeps you going keeps you like progressing yeah. through it yeah and just like the whole grimness as well of like this this is a really grim dark book in like proper true essence
0: yeah i think for me uh, i think i've said it for me this is the best book i've read in the black library range of of the books i've read That is just a really good exercise in exploring the background because the context is always normally a war or something war related this isn't action happens because that's the universe they live in but it could have been written with no action, do you know what I mean and it still would have probably yeah, been exactly. quite good yeah it's this it's not often I read books that um have that kind of pace to them where it's it's just a joy to learn about how a ship was found and how what what, what the menials get up to you know scraping all the plasma vents out and how they, all their hair's falling out and their teeth are rotting and all that crap like it's just it's horrible. It's fascinating, I just yeah, yeah,
1: exactly that's what I mean it's this completely grim, dark experience of of that world, and it's just really really cool I just yeah it's a really yeah. interesting book to read,
0: yeah, I think if anyone out there is attempted by it, I'd say absolutely go and read it, and it makes me want to go back and read mechanicum, but I feel like I should probably read book two and three of this trilogy first, um
1: yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I guess that's our only criticism of this book is that you can't just read this book on its own. You do have to start reading. I feel there's so much that it's not been finished that you have to read books two and three.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it can go either way, can't it? Because some books, some trilogies, each one does stand on its own. Um, I'd agree. I think, slight Wisdom. I don't think it does. But I don't think that's a bad thing. That just makes me want to read two more books, and that's fine. Um, How often are people going to go out and really just try and read one of these on their own? Probably not often. So it's not... It's not a biggie. Um, but I, I guess love our it.
1: proper overview description would be has how book three ends and do we feel satisfied with that ending? I guess. Yeah, That's
0: yeah. A... I'm definitely going to read them next. I'm going to power through the uh, freebie book that I got from Black Library um, for Age of Sigma. But then, yeah, I'm just going to jump straight into finishing these two because I don't need to read the next book we're going to review because I've read it about ten times. <laughs> yeah, um, so I've
1: read it yeah, a good few times. Now. Uh,
0: we won't reveal that just yet, but I think... So yeah, wrap-up is, we very much enjoy the book. I think everyone should go and give it a read. Even if you just fancy a change of pace, it is just a change of pace and it feels really good to indulge yourself in a bit of grimdark without worrying about war zones and stuff. Um, I guess what I want to just quickly look at, well, sorry, excuse me, I'm going to look at my phone. So just before the, we started recording, I put a stupid picture of my face up with the book saying we're recording in five Give us your questions in the comments below. And we have three questions. So that's more than I was expecting. So that's good. Um, I'll read them out, Jamie, and you can start answering them and then I'll put in my two cents. So from this one is from X. I am the bastard X. Fantastic name there. Um, New to the books and have started with the Horus Heresy. Who is your favorite character you have come across in the book so far? So I think in the book so far, he's going to mean the Horus Heresy. Um, go on. Who who who's your favourite? I've
1: said this to you a lot, Dave, before. Um, my favourite character so far is Mr Straight Arrow himself, Garo.
0: You like Garo? Love
1: that, love that dude. He is so badass, it is, is it his shiny bald head? Huh? Yeah? yeah, I just love a man with a bald head. Yeah. I could just touch it and just having a Big sword and a bald head does it for me. I mean, sorry, uh, yeah. um He, I just love flight. I really like flight of the Eisenheit, Eisenstein book. It's really after those first three books, and you read that one, it's so like change of pace and like just his character is. I don't know. I just re- I really like that character, and then his sort of his solo stories of him being a knight errant and stuff. It's just yeah, I really like him.
0: Yeah. yeah so, I completely agree. um I do like Arrow but he's not my favorite. Only because my one criticism. Um, and this isn't a criticism in your opinion, you're allowed to say what you want. My criticism of Garrow is he's quite close to 40k Space Marines in that sort of crusading yeah, yeah, kind of marine. And I'm personally, on a personal level, I'm absolutely not about religion. I don't practice anything. And I always find it hard to identify with people of absolute faith. Do you know what I mean? I'm such a cynic and such a. I basically should be in the Mechanicum, right? I, Don't think of anything else. Um, No, uh, for me, uh, favourite character in the Heresy that's really hard because there are a lot. I'm going to put in two and I'll give very brief reasons. Alexis Pulox, the Imperial Fist character. I don't know if you've had much interaction because I know you've not read all of them. Yeah, see,
1: that's... I'll pre-emphasise my choice of favourite characters. I'm not actually that hugely far into the Horus Heresy so that may change so far. I'm just at the point I'm at... My
0: favorite character's been Gary. Yeah. So for me, Alexis Pullox because he's got a huge arc that changes, uh, in, in his outlook, he's still very much an Imperial fist. And this isn't a spoiler. Uh, I mean, as far as we're aware, we know that he becomes the chapter master of the Crimson Fists in the future. Um, one of my favorite spaceman chapters. So that's very cool. Um, but he's involved in a lot of the Imperial Secundus books, which I think is a fantastic part of the heresy. Um, and my second is absolutely Tal from First Heretic and onwards. Um I won't say any more on him because I know that you're reading First Heretic and you don't know anything else. Um so all I'll say is yes, tal is a fantastic character and once Jamie's finished First Heretic and goes and reads Betrayer and other things, you'll see what I mean. He's just fucking badman.
1: Yeah, I, really, I, really, I do really like him. I mean, the other second favourite character that he's also with in that book is Sevitar and that whole scene when they meet, is just amazing. Oh, is yeah.
0: fantastic, yeah. Who doesn't like Savitar? I um, know, he just doesn't get
1: enough, though. That's, that's the problem. You can't. He's not really a character. He's just sort of a... I don't know, he's just sort of a presence, isn't he? Because he doesn't really have that
0: much in the heresy so far. I'm hoping that, that changes. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to jump into the next question from... Dungeons, dragons, and Jack. Um, Do you just fall over?
2: Yeah.
0: You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right was that question? I'm right. Was that was that name so good? You fell off your chair. Um, yeah. Dungeons, oh, Dungeons, dragons, and Jack. <laughs> Dungeons and dragons and Jack. I fell off my chair. Uh, his question is uh, probably missed the boat. But what are your favourite GW models? Um, go on, you go first.
1: Oh, that's difficult. Um, it's hard, isn't it? My favourite I guess out of the admec so far, I really like the I think I said before the Iron Striders, that sort of gimp Geiger thing. Yeah.
0: They're
1: really cool. Um don't know, it's difficult. You you say, i have a little thing.
0: Alright, so I'm gonna go with the Remember berries, the nostalgia. Um, if I had to go back and rebuy one model, it would probably be the old metal orc war boss that came out in the early two thousands who had a chain axe in, or chopper chain axe in one arm pointing with it and a big double barreled shooter in the other. Only because he was the HQ choice for the first proper army, like that I had. Um well I remember getting money for my birthday when I was like eleven or twelve, maybe younger. And like, do you remember? Do you ever do that where you wrote out everything you wanted to go buy, and then waited yeah. to get enough money, and then did it all in one go? I remember going to, <laughs> I, I remember going to Games Workshop in Romford with it must have been about eighty quid, which at that age was like a mammoth amount of money. I remember buying the Orc Codex, the Starter Battle Set, uh, and him, and that model. I just loved painting him, and if I could find him on eBay, I'd buy him again. It's just such a nice model. It's not necessarily for any other reason than it just is so nostal- nostalgic for me. Um, yeah, uh, and I guess uh, jumping forward in time, in current new range stuff, I think they're fucking smashing it with Age of Sigmar at the moment. I think the Nightha- Nighthaunt stuff is a different level. I think it's so, so different and so nice. Um, I couldn't pick a particular model, but I just think the range at the moment is really solid. Um, yeah
1: definitely I mean yeah they're sexy models for sure definitely sexy models
0: did, uh, have you had a thought really, on... at, the minute, at the minute I'm really liking the
1: with the whole kill team stuff that's coming out I really like the orc commandos for some reason
0: yeah yeah they're cool I just
1: like the I think that's just a really cool idea like splinter cell orcs
0: yeah I've always <laughs> loved I like snake, um,
1: rock. snake rock rock's cool
0: yeah 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 I love orcs like I've, I, I've wanted to collect them for a long time but just never really got round to it because I always end up doing bloody chaos. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, li- I like blood axes as a thing. Um are orcs that sort of use human camouflage techniques. Because they think they're sneakier and clever. Um, I, yeah. think, I think that's really funny. Um, okay. So last question is from our homeboy James. Prince Mayonnaise. Um, he said... Tooth of the cog. Best catchphrase in Black Library books... And who's your favourite tech priest? Best catchphrase.
1: Um, oh, I, I guess the obvious one, which I've been, you know, if you've got a sticker from us, I've been writing on there, is "Death to the False Emperor," scepter
0: Is so fucking good, isn't it? it is yeah, so so good. Um, mine is probably in the context of someone saying goodbye to someone else. Do you remember when Deltrian said goodbye to? First law, and he said, um, Go in Midnight Clad. Like, that is a sentiment. It actually makes me feel emotional because it's, it's so nerdy, isn't it? but And I'm getting sentimental over a bunch of murderers and horrible, horrible people. But that in Midnight Clad, like, is just epic beyond proportions. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, there's so much epicness in night lords. Yeah, any yeah. anything Talos says is pretty. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, in midnight, in midnight clad is probably mine. Um, and favourite tech priest. Am um, I boring and say cool only because I'm listening to Wolf Spain at the moment? But I do like him. But maybe actually, actually, uh, who's the female tech priest in Mechanicum?
1: Oh, um, the the Priest of the Magma City, right? yeah. what's her name? That
0: one. Yeah, because she's oh, pretty... Oh yeah, she's, she's really cool, yeah. She's pretty different, because she's like, a diff, she believes in knowledge for betterment, not knowledge for secretive reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like, she wants to, she believes in the Emperor's vision of pushing humanity to the next level, not using it for corruptive, horrible means, which is what the Mechanicum is yeah. become in.
1: Yeah, there's a line, actually, in Priester Mars where that Galate thing says, you know, it says, oh, we're looking for knowledge. He's like, no, you're looking for old knowledge. You should be looking for new knowledge. And that is part of the ad makers. They're always looking, trying to find stuff that they've lost from the past when actually they should be, like, inventing new stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's a really cool aspect. So, yeah, she she definitely has that.
0: I'm just going to quickly... I think Deltrian as well, I'm just trying to find her name. I'm just looking at the characters. What was she? Was she a... What was she? Was she a forge master? Is it yeah, Zeth? Yeah, it's or something like that. Corel Zeth, forge mistress. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: she was excellent. She was a really cool character. Because she was positive in a world of negativity and all that jazz. She was a positive character that wanted to do good. Um... I'll tell you who I really like as well and apologies for the minor spoilers but um, Kane the fabricator locum on oh, yeah of Mechanicum yeah. so before I go any further tell me what you remember of Kane in Mechanicum personality wise
1: he seemed a little bit he was a little bit <sighs> A little bit weak, I felt. It was a bit like, oh, you know, a bit worrying. like, oh, we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And he sort of wants help and stuff. I don't know. He didn't seem like a huge, strong personality.
0: Yeah, it's weird, right? Because, I don't oh, go on.
1: I don't know. I don't know what, what you are going to say.
0: Okay, so that that's what's interesting, right? So I've just read The Master of Mankind. I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but he's in it, right? So you know that he leads the survivors of the loyal side to Terra, right? At the end, he gets escorted away by yep. um, Sigismund and the Imperial Fists. You know, they come and do a rescue. It's not really yep. to take Mars. It's yep. it's to stockpile what they can before it all goes to shit. Um, so Master Mankind is like five years later and Kane is the de facto fabricator general of Mars now, even though even within the Mechanicum, they see that as heretical because he wasn't chosen. He was just forced onto him because Cowboy Howl became a traitor. Um, yeah. But he is an arsehole in this book. He is nothing. He has be- He's had to deal with the Mechanicum on Terra and try and rebuild them but he, do you remember he was kind of like really subtly Mechanicum. Like his face and stuff still looked human. And he was like yeah, yeah. really subtle about his upgrades. Five years later, he is built into a tank. He's got <laughs> tank tracks. He's not got a lower body anymore. His arms are guns. He is literally a moving tank. He's got huge weapons for arms. And he's lost all of his humanity, all of his warmth, all of his humour. He is absolutely how the Mechanicum is in the 41st millennium do you know what I mean like he's been pushed that far because he yeah. has so much to do and he's so fucking sick of the Imperium like I don't want to say anything more but he just wants to go home um, and he wants to take Mars back he doesn't give a fuck about Horus's war he just wants to be on Holy Mars it's um yeah it was really really surprising because I really liked him in Mechanicum he's totally different
1: yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, he, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, he was. But well, cool. he was
0: a kind of good guy. He was the one that spotted the irregularities in the shipping, right? So like, he was like, "How come?" No, yes, yeah.
1: That, yeah. He was like, "How
0: comes? How yeah, comes yeah. like? I why are the salamanders not getting as much ammo as they request? Why does that keep happening? Why are the iron warriors? Uh, why are the iron hands? Not, why do the fucking Sons of Horus keep getting all the ar- new armor? What's going on?" And obviously, that's that's Horus's build up with Cowboy Howe to weaken the loyalists and yeah, it's really really clever really good um, so yeah, thanks for the questions James um, I like Zeth and Kane for two very different reasons yeah, cool alright, um, I guess Jamie, the last thing I want to do before we end the episode is um, say thank you to um, someone who reached out on, to us on our email. Um, a guy called Matthew. Uh, Matthew Betts. Hello, thank you for reaching out. I thought it was a really lovely email. What about you?
1: Yeah, very touching. I, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Without
0: reading it all out, um, it was just a really lovely email to receive. Someone that, uh, Matt, Matthew, Matt, uh, has been avid Black Library reader for years, but has actually said, I've been looking for a podcast like yours for ages. That's incredible like that that was really humbling and really nice so thank you um yeah
1: just want to get in that pant he saw that picture of you with the books and just wanted to get in your pants i think
0: yeah i'm just an incredibly (laughs) likable guy um obviously (laughs) um but thank you as well as he pointed out something that i know you and me are really passionate about jamie is um we're not too game focused and too moaning focused i'm not saying you and me are like everything's brilliant you should go and read everything and we have said go and read every book but i will always Same. say go yeah i would always go and say read a book and make your own opinion but he said that we're not moan focused and um i'm really conscious of that i make no i make that decision purposely i don't want to be that way um so thank you it was really lovely to I there's to
1: in every book that's been written
0: yeah <laughs> exactly yeah we we know people right that will yeah, say really no brilliant. to a book straight away um yeah so thank you Matthew it was really nice of you um, have you got anything else Jamie or are we done for the evening
1: um, I think we're done I
0: think yeah, I'm, I'm done is really good I'm done yeah I'm done uh, agreed go read it if you haven't it's really good um, <laughs> give us your feedback as well peeps let us know what you think did you enjoy it um, uh, do you think we missed out anything important uh, yeah, let us know. Um, and on that note, peace out. Oh, do you want to talk about what we're going to do next? Oh, oh, shit. Yeah, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. Right, rewind. So, don't not peace I'm back. I'm back in the room. Um, go on, Jamie. As you save the day, you can be the hero. What are we doing next? I don't know. I've
1: forgotten that. <laughs> what <laughs> are we doing next? Uh, we're doing Horus Rising, aren't we?
0: Yes. Yeah. We are doing Horus Rising next. We are going to dive into... The...
1: <laughs> you were really silent and I was like...
0: <laughs> so, yes, we I are going to... You... I
1: was like, oh, maybe I said the wrong book.
0: <laughs> no, 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 we are doing Horus Rising. We are going to do the first Horus book Rising, of, the, yes. of the Horus Heresy. Um, we've undenared for a while, haven't we, about how we approach what is essentially one very big story. Because um, everything we've done so far is like its own sort of, What's the right word I'm looking for? Section. You know, it's Night Lords, very self-contained. You can read those three and that's it. Um, Whereas this is a bigger part... Well, sorry, the, the first book of a huge, huge, huge story. Um, I don't know how we're going to tackle all of it. I don't know... I just want to focus on the one book, really, just for now. Um, and make a decision later down the line, right?
1: Yeah, I think... I mean... Some people have asked us to do Heresy and to do some reviews of that, so, I mean, what better way is there to start than at the beginning? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, And, and we'll I, see how it goes.
0: Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I've read it loads of times. I've got it on audiobook, on CD somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to listen to it while painting this weekend. Um, I don't think I'll read it again, only because I've read it enough times and I want to read other books, but... I bloody love it, and it's so great seeing the Imperium that could have been. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited, very excited. Um, So, yeah, that's it from us. Um, If you've not got anything else, Jamie, I'm going to say goodbye again. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) You can go now. Thanks. Yeah, goodbye. Bye bye. Peace.